Shalom, and welcome to the Two Jews, Ten Opinions podcast. I'm Ailey Shanes. And I'm Levi Diamato. We're glad to welcome you to our first ever podcast, The Pilot. We are just two Jews with unique Jewish backgrounds and perspectives on Judaism, and we're going to talk about different Jewish topics and how we kind of relate to them. And I, I do want to stress, despite the obvious name, um, down the road we do want to talk about other topics, other um, news stories around the world, things going on. But just a little background on the reason we decided to start this podcast was obviously we talked about it after October 7th happened, which of course we'll go into down the road in this podcast. I've always talked to Ailey about these issues. We've, you know, we've talked a lot about politics, Israel, um, Judaism. Would you like to introduce yourself? And so we can kind of just explain, you know, the reason for the, the different opinions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so again, my name's Ailey and my background is very traditional Judaism. I was raised Orthodox. I went to um, a yeshiva for high school, and I've went to Orthodox Jewish schools for my entire life. Right now, I'm in college, not as Orthodox right now, trying to still get back into it. I go to Chabad every um, every Shabbos. So yeah, that's kind of my background. Very traditional Ashkenazi Jewish. So yeah, I know that's you know that's that's my unique background, and because of that, I, I take a lot of pride in that background, and I have a lot of unique perspectives because of that. And Levi, tell us about your background. Yeah, definitely. So I'm from up north. Uh, I grew up in New York, New York City. I would describe my upbringing as definitely kind of reform Jew. But when I was in like middle school or before middle school, when I still lived in New York, um, I would go to a synagogue a lot. I would go to services. When I moved down to um, outside of Jacksonville, there were like not really any Jewish people where I lived. So I kind of like got away from that, um, those traditions and everything. My only time when I really like did Jewish things was when I was um, at summer camp, Camp Coleman, shout out Camp Coleman uh, in Georgia. And that's kind of what started, you know, my Judaism and, you know, it led me to go to Israel for the first time. So definitely that's like pretty much my start of my Jewish uh, story, I guess you could say. We are, we're students at the University of Florida, just a preface. I know a lot of students at the University of Florida share your similar background. I know there's some, not many, but there's some that also share share my backgrounds. So yeah, I think we're going to have every, every, every episode, we're going to have some really nice dialogue because I think that when it comes to the secular Jewish community and the more Orthodox Jewish community, there's definitely a rift, especially in Israel, which we're going to talk about in today's podcast. There's definitely a rift and there's definitely miscommunication and there's definitely the, the communities are, are kind of separate. So I think it's really important to kind of bridge those gaps to kind of just, you know, there's a lot of I guess, stereotypes about these two communities. So I think it's really important to kind of bring those two communities together like we're doing right now. And um, we're going to over the course of, you know, this is the first episode where we don't have any guests. We're going to want to have different guests every um, episode. From absolutely. All different backgrounds. And we're going to hear about your different opinions. So it's going to become many more than just 10 opinions, I think. Right now, I want to talk about what's happening on Tuesday. Um, Ailey and I are both going to Washington, D.C. Um, yeah. for the rally for the, the hostages, of course. Let me, let me look it up and real just, quick so okay, we can yeah, give yeah, a, yeah. an exact... Yeah, so it's the rally for Israel. It's by um, UF Hillel in Washington, D.C., but they are inviting Hillel organizations from all over the country. They're having a youth mo- movement pre-March organized by Hillel International on Tuesday, November 14th, and then a massive rally in March on Washington organized by Jewish Federations of North America. That's also going to be on Tuesday, November 14th. So yes, me and Levi, we're going to be part of that. We're going to be leaving on a bus 
on Monday night it's at be about 14 hours. It's going to be a 14 hour drive. And then we're going to be leaving Washington Tuesday night. And then we're going to be going to be back in Gainesville, Florida around 10 a.m. So no hotels. We're going to be sleeping in the bus. It's going to be a, it's going to be an adventure for sure. Yeah. And about the whole rally thing, I'm not a rally person at all. Me I the only time I've ever been to a, I went to another protest um this summer in Israel actually. We can get into that down the road. Yeah. Um so I guess these have been my only two this isn't a protest. It's more of just like a, a show of support, I think. And I mean, I know the reason I'm definitely going is, you know, at the University of Florida where we go, I, I think things have um, generally been pretty good. Um, would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, when you compare our situation with other universities, Columbia, Princeton, Harvard, Cornell, Cornell, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, we have it pretty good here. We have the largest undergraduate Jewish student body in the entire United States. Proportionally, when you look at like universities like Yeshiva University, obviously Yeshiva University has basically like a 100% Jewish student rate. But in terms of the sheer physical number, we are the largest and we have a lot of support from the university itself, from a lot of the professors, from organizations across the university. So yeah, I agree. And we could just go into it. This is what our first podcast is about. Um, our relationship to, to Israel. I mean, I come from an Orthodox background. Levi comes from a more reform background. What is our different relationships to the land of Israel? And yeah, I mean, Levi, tell us a little bit about your background with Israel, Israel advocacy, yeah, and, and, and how you grew up with the whole idea of the state of Israel. Yeah, so, I mean, for me, I, I've never really been a religious person, I would say. Um, I, I still don't really consider myself—I don't consider myself a religious person— um, I'm always a big history person, so I loved um, reading everything about, like, you know, I start with American history, but then Jewish history, that sort of thing, um, and it just fascinated me, definitely, and the first time I went to Israel, I was 15 years old. I went with, like, a group through my, my camp. We were there for a month. We went everywhere, got to see all of the historical places, um, Western Wall, you know, everything. And kind of over the year, that was when it started, kind of. But then over the years, you know, it just got more and more important to me, you know, when I understood the importance of Israel, especially that importance that we see right now in the United States. You know, I've I've gotten multiple texts from the last in the last like two weeks from people in Israel who are asking if I'm OK, which I just think is crazy because of, of course, I'm, I mean, we're, we're you know, generally okay yeah, at the University yeah. of Florida. We're, we're okay. Um, but it's crazy that I'm getting, you know, these people are in a, a war and they're texting, they're seeing the anti-Semitism around the world and they're still feeling a lot of the times more safe because they know who their community is around them, which I think is a crazy um, situation. Yeah, just to like touch on that, when I went on birthright this summer, you also went on birthright, you stayed there for the entire summer. A lot of the things that they were talking about is that, you know, Israel is not just a country for the people in there or just the Jews in there, or just like the people in there in general. It's there for Jews all over the world. We saw that when it comes to flights trying to get Jews out of Ethiopia and in other countries like that. So they're here for everybody. The people are there for here for all Jews around the world. And, and I think that's something that really connects me and you both with, with that place. But yeah, I you know like you said, I really like brought up something. Definitely, yeah. Well, that do you wanna do you, you wanna talk about my background with? Yeah, yeah, 
sorry. Let's, let's, hear from you you first. let's hear from you first. You're okay, yeah. So um, my background in with Israel is a little bit complicated. As an Orthodox Jew, we were we were very pro-Israel. You know, as a as a little kid, you go to like a Jewish school, and and you know you have like you know little Israel celebrations, whatever. But as an Orthodox Jew, we don't put a lot of emphasis on really Zionism in Israel. We do appreciate what they what the state of Israel does for Jews around the world, and it is a safe haven for Jews. But we're we're not too into the whole Zionism, celebrating whatever, Yom Hatzmut, all that stuff. That wasn't really just a big essential part of our curriculum in Orthodox schools. I have like some connection because I have family there. My uncles and aunts in Israel are Haredi and other their kids are Haredi, so they're all in Israel. My grandfather and two of my grandmothers are actually there right now. Um, Where? They made Aliyah. My grandfather and, and his second wife are in Jerusalem, in Yerushalayim. Mm-hmm. And my other grandmother is there in Beersheba. Oh, okay. okay. So she's near the... the what the, are they doing in Beersheba? She's in the kind of the Beersheba area, but she went to Jerusalem to stay with my aunt and uncle during the whole thing. Right, yeah. So She's there right now. Yeah, the, Beersheba's, like, there are a lot of rockets yeah so you know she can't be over there right now so i have family there but in high school i wasn't because of all that because we weren't really very celebratory when it comes to zionism i wasn't that very big into the whole idea of israel in high school i was actually very questionable about israel's legitimacy not in the sense of united nations or or diplomacy or whatever but in terms of the actual laws of judaism if they it was valid and also i was very critical of a a lot of what the state of israel did with palestinians settlements Mm. all those other things and halakhically like um based on the laws there was a whole there basically one of the things and one of the things that were really was where i was really hesitant about israel was we made three promises to hashem and i can't i can't and to god and and i can't remember two of them but one of them was that we won't have our own um nation jews won't have their own nation until Mashiach, or, you know, Messiah uh, yeah, comes. Right. Um, and, and throughout high school, it was kind of this battle, right? Because everyone in, in high school is supporting Israel, the rabbis, everybody. But then we also learn this side of it. So, like, what do I believe, you know? what What is the, the truth when it comes to Israel? And I kind of came to the realization that how I personally kind of, like, not cope with it, but kind of understand it, is that Israel isn't necessarily, Israel's not a religious state, a Jewish state. It's a state that is primarily composed of Jewish people, is primarily run by Jewish people, and it is a state where Judaism is able to be safe and is able to thrive. So I wouldn't necessarily consider it a religious or a Jewish country until it becomes that. And I think since it is not that right now, I think I I believe that it is valid and I think it is extremely important. It it is an, it is essential for our survival. It is our you know it's our for people who aren't in Israel right now, it's their their backup. If, if something goes wrong in their country, they go to Israel. And it is it's the safe haven of people who are currently in Israel. I mean, like, you see, you hear all these people, like, from the river to the sea. Well, we're, And then you ask, where are, are all the Jews going? Go back home. Go back to Europe. Go to, um, you know, America, whatever. We can't do that. Look what happened in Europe. Six million Jews died in Europe, in Poland, in, in Germany, in France, in all those places. You want us to go back to Europe? So that's kind of the reason why I'm very for it. And yeah, I think as Jews, I mean, I think it's very important to be critical of Israel's policies. And you're going to talk about the protests that you went to. Yeah. Um, And I am critical of Israel's policies, but when it comes to what's going on right now, I'm very supportive of Israel. I think Mm -hmm. it's very important. And I think there is a way to be critical of Israel while also supporting 
what they do and their right to exist. And and that's a little, I know that was a whole long-winded thing. No, no. But that's my complicated history with Israel. And, and as of right now, I'm very in support and I have a very deep appreciation for Israel and what it gives to the Jewish community. Yeah, no, definitely. No, no, no shame in, in going on there. Okay, so yeah, we do... <laughs> We do have to have to explain the situation, um, which is very hard because people always, when you ask about Israel, people always say, oh, it's complicated. You know, it's a complicated thing because yeah. then you go back. So I guess I'll just, I've seen all the people, like history didn't start on October 7th and that. But I don't think, I think for this purpose, I have to start right now um, by just explaining the situation that happened on October 7th. I was... It was Friday night, and I we went to I went to Chabad. I probably saw you there. I don't remember. It was all abroad. We probably saw each other there. Um, and I I came back at like eleven eleven p.m. and I I got there's like the app on your phone. Um, the rocket alerts. Red alert. Yeah, red alert. And all of a, and some it, it basically lets you know when there's a rocket fired from the Ga- the Gaza Strip. Usually, um, now from Lebanon. All of a sudden on my phone, I got so many of them, like a hundred, like hundred of the alerts in like one minute which was very peculiar because every once in a while you get like one or two, you know, um, I got like hundred and it just kept going. And I went on Twitter and all of a sudden, like started seeing the very weird videos. Like there's people driving, like terrorists driving in the streets. It was surreal. So I, I didn't sleep at all that night. And in the morning, it, it was just kind of th- that whole day, October 7th, at least for us in America was like, just like a zombie. Like I, we just felt like we were just like walking. We had no idea like what was going on, you know, like it was, um, it was all a blur. Yeah. And what happened was, as everyone knows now, the, the worst massacre of Jewish people since the Holocaust. And we don't have to get into all the horrific crimes that were committed. Um, you, you can read the news articles about that. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you just one thing. I was reading an article last night in the Jerusalem Post who was talking about that because they still haven't discovered um, the remains of many of these people who were murdered by Hamas, that there were archaeologists working in the teams um, to discover these people. So that's all I'll say about that. Since then, there's been now the the uh, Israel Defense Forces have entered into Gaza and northern Gaza. They told all the civilians to, to leave northern Gaza and go to the south. Many did. Uh, many did not. Um, many civilians have been killed. And the mission right now is to eradicate Hamas. And people say, like, can you eradicate Hamas? I think the idea right now is kind of the idea that Israel's used in the past, tracking down Eichmann, tracking down the people who did the uh, Olympian massacre and the Munich massacre. When something terrible happens like this, Israel's kind of usually their plan is just to eliminate every single person who was involved in the planning of this. So I think that is the ultimate mission here. Leaders of Hamas in in Gaza, Yahya Sinwar and Mohammed Diaf. What we're going to talk about now is how the West reacted to this, because, you know, there are more political people than me that are talking about this, you know, military experts on the ground in Israel talking about it. Not even when the bombing of Gaza began, did we see the protests in the United States Yeah, and in Europe, mostly in Europe at that time. People, it was shocking to me even, to be honest, even though I've been kind of hearing about this for years, like the anti-Semitism that comes from the far left. Have you heard of the term horseshoe theory before? I have not. Can you explain it? Yeah. So basically it's this is the theory that as you go far left and as you go right, it's it becomes a horseshoe and they, you know, they they meet. 
mm-hmm. right? And all the anti-Semitism that we're seeing right now is from the, the far left, which was kind of disguised as a sneaky anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism. Yeah, I think the anti-Semitism from the far left is always disguised as a kind of sneaky anti-Semitism. It's not something that's very outright. It's more hidden, and it always has to do with using Zionism as a way to target Jews. And, and you know, there's always those claims like, oh, anti-Zionism isn't anti-Semitism. And I understand why people would make those claims. However, based on the context of the the rallies and the protests and everything around that and the timeline of when these people actually protested and when these people actually speak out about Israel and the type of things that are said at the protests, it's anti-Semitism. If this were happening to, I mean, I don't want to make any assumptions, but there are other atrocities that have happened to Arab nations that haven't happened, that have no association with Israel. And we don't really see a lot of protests when it comes to that stuff, when it comes to, to Turkey, Saudi Arabia. Yeah, yeah. If, if I could just jump in here, because yeah. I, I read um, from Thomas Friedman in the New York Times last week, the New York Times, which we can go into down the road. But he was basically talking about, and I disagree with a lot of the things he says, but he was basically talking about how the protests, and I hate to do this whataboutism kind of thing, but yeah. he was talking about, you know, because the, the main reason for all of this terror in the Middle East it, it all leads to Iran. It does. Yeah. And right now, they essentially control four different countries. I mean, they control Lebanon with Hezbollah. They control Iraq. They control Yemen and um, the Gaza Strip and Syria. So five. And when you talk about that there were no protests about other events, I was just talking about it the other day because the, the Houthis in Yemen, this is a terrorist group that is basically in control of most of Yemen right now, sent missiles at Israel, which is 2,000 kilometers away, just fired missiles. What, what is that in like, uh, in miles? <clears throat> I don't know. I'm not good with that, but I read on, I read that it was 2,000 kilometers. I, I also read that it was the first missile to ever be shot out of space in history. So it, the missile was in space and then they shot it down to earth, you're saying? Or was it on the ground and it went up to space and then went down? I don't know how that looked, but th- this is like, I was told that the missile interception is the first like space combat anyway. And it happened between no Israel matter and, the case. and the Houthis. Um, no matter the case. Yemen has been for so long the worst humanitarian crisis in the world and i don't want to do the what aboutism but yeah when you see a hundred thousand people protesting in london for against israel and i've never seen a hundred thousand people protest for any other middle eastern conflict ever not and, saying there aren't protests that people aren't speaking yeah, out about not it at this not but at this the level sheer magnitude of people coming out there's and obviously correlation doesn't equal causation in all these cases but you, you need to understand context-wise, the reason why people are coming out, I think they have, is because they of a preconceived hatred towards the Jewish people. I don't think, I also, I don't want to give the benefit of the doubt, but I feel like also it's just so much just uneducation. Like, people genuinely don't think that they're well, it's being uneduca- hateful. It's, it's uneducation. I think it's lack of context, yeah. especially in the West and these universities. And I think it's, I mean, especially when, when it comes to the um, the, the protests in these um, Arab countries and with very strong is- radical Islamic regimes, they literally teach anti-Semitism in schools. They they teach that, an- that Zionism is the enemy, that Jews are the enemy, and they're trying to ethnically cleanse Palestinians. So, yeah, so like you said, it's, it's, it's 
lack of understanding, lack lack of education, and I think lack of context as well. A hundred percent. Um, and I think there's also the problem where people somehow and people, most of these people who are not Israeli, Jewish, or Palestinian, kind of turn this into like a, a sports game almost. In the fact that they're like, "Oh, you're pro-Israel. Oh, I'm pro-Palestine." Like I, I've been posting a lot and on Instagram and I, I got like, you know, I get people swipe up and they go, I'm pro-Palestine, but I want to hear your perspective. And it's yeah. like, I consider myself, I don't consider myself pro, I mean, obviously I'm pro-Israel because I, you know, my family, my friends, and because of, you know, the importance of Israel, but I'm pro-Palestine in the sense that I, I want there to be Palestinian state established, you know? And I think people get so drawn into this both sides argument and they forget that these are people, you yeah. know? Like when you're waving the flags, you're you're not contributing anything. Also, I don't I wouldn't consider these protests to be pro-Palestine protests in the, a large sense. I would consider a lot of them to be just anti-Israel protests, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not because let's say for example that Hamas wins Hamas and Hezbollah win the war against Israel, which is like which is not going to happen, but let's say that they they conquer Israel, mm-hmm. right? What is the the country from Gaza all the way to North Lebanon to the Jordan River, what is that going to look like, you know, mm-hmm. for the citizens of that country? Who's going to be in charge of those of that country? I mean, you're saying that from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. You have just Palestine. Mm-hmm. Who's going to rule that country? Because there's going to be millions upon millions of Jews that are going to be there still. Who's going to rule that country? It's either going to be Hamas... Hezbollah, or it's going to be the Palestinian Authority from the West Bank. And those, all those authorities, all those regimes are extremely anti-Semitic. If you look at their doctrine, they're extremely anti-Semitic. So you could see why from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, and the whole free Palestine movement is inherently anti-Semitic. Because if those regimes are in power, they're either going to kill all of those Jews, or they're going to make them go to places where they're not going to be safe. They're going to just be get out of here, and we fine. So that is, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. That's the ethnic cleansing. If you, you look at you know Arabs in the state of Israel, Palestinians in, in Israel, their population has boomed over the 75 years that, that the state of Israel has been there. There, pe- there are Arabs in, in the, the Knesset, Arabs that are outspoken about, about how much they hate Israel and how much they want to free Palestine. They're still able to get a voice and they're still able to be there. There are Arabs in the Supreme Court. There's Arabs in all aspects of life. You know, like you said, I mean, like, what, what's there going to be over there? I'll tell you what there's going to be over there. There's going to be another radical Islamic country that's going to hate Jews, and there's not going to be any Jews there, just like how there's no Jews in Yemen, no Jews in Lebanon, no Jews in Iran, Iraq, Saudi Arabia. There's, some, I guess, a little bit. There's a few in Iran. I guess there's a few in Iran there, but they're, they all hate it there, and they're all trying to leave. It's going to be another one of those places, and, and the reason why Jews were able to be okay in Palestine, you know, pre-Israel days is because it was either run by the British Mandate or other mandates. It wasn't run by some Palestinian authority, run by authorities that were voted upon by the Palestinian people. Not saying that all Palestinian people are anti-Semitic, but the regimes that come out of those those votes, who they vote for, are 
anti-Semitic. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Hamas was technically elected with, I think, something like 40-something percent of the vote, and then they threw all of the Fatah, the um, Palestinian Authority people off of the, the roof when they won the election, and there hasn't been an election since, you know, so, of course, yeah, the, the Palestinian people that are living in the Gaza Strip are being oppressed by the Hamas oh, absolutely. organization. And, and, and I, and I hope... <laughs> All Jews are grieving for the innocent Palestinians, the the innocent Gazans who are there right now. Because every time there is a death, it really does hurt. It really hurts that this has to be the way it is. But this is how Israel is supposed to fight this, to fight this terrorism. Because they need to eliminate Hamas. And the only way they they will do it is if they target where their tunnels are. And their tunnels are under civilian areas, densely populated civilian areas, under hospitals, under schools, under their mosques. They use them as, as human shields, and I, I am grieving for them, and I, and I hope all Jews are grieving for them, but every single blood that I shed in this war is because of Hamas. That is it. Plain and simple, period. Yeah, it's just it's a, it's just a sad situation. You know, I'm sure you've seen all the videos that Absolutely, are coming yeah. out of Gaza. I just think, like, all the protests are just kind of misplaced in their energy. They don't really talk about, I mean, I guess they do talk about it, but, like, completely understand the, the feelings in the world Towards Absolutely. this government, this current Israeli government. Another thing, though, by the way, this um, operation, this Hamas attack um, has been planned for, I'm not sure exactly how long, but some people are saying a year up to two years mm-hmm. before this government was in power. So for those that say that this is uh, a reaction to the policies of this specific government, it's just not true. The Hamas doesn't care about which government is, they don't care if it's um, Yitzhak Rabin, the most peaceful pro-peace prime minister in Israeli history, or they don't care if it's Bibi, you know, yeah. they don't really care. But, you know, there are some obviously really bad figures um, in the current government right now, the current Knesset, Itamar Ben-Gvir, one of them. Mm-hmm. And the situation in the West Bank is just terrible. Well, right well now. let's talk about that and let's talk about the protests you went to in israel right right yeah you know tell me about your perspectives on the current government of israel and tell me about the protests you went to i i went to the protests against the um judicial reform which was happening before all this went down and by the way i I don't want to talk too long about this protest because i don't think like i think when something like this happened the october 7th it became almost hard to talk about other things because it's like we have to right now we have to just this was a genocidal attack you Mm -hmm. know but i I will explain to you the protests um before this all happened there was a judicial reform by um, prime minister netanyahu and the idea essentially is to i don't know explain this in simple terms but in the united states there are three branches of government and israel i guess you would kind of consider it to be two branches of government given that like there's just the knesset that's kind of combining the executive branch and the the legislative branch and then there's the judicial branch and this judicial reform which we don't have to go into in detail was aimed at weakening the power of the the judicial branch the judges and why is that bad because you know this is a was a far right this is a far right government and they want to take away not they but many in the government want to take away women's rights you know abortion mar- gay marriage rights um mm-hmm. and of course they are there a bunch of them are racist against palestinians absolutely um so at this protest, there were a lot of different things. There were people protesting against the reform, and there were a lot of people. Uh, this I went in Tel Aviv, which for those who don't know, this is the um, it, politically it operates a little bit differently from the rest of Israel. Yeah. Kind of, it's like the liberal, like stronghold kind of. Um, 
So there, there were people waving uh, Palestinian flags at the protest three blocks from where I was living this summer. So yeah, this this judicial reform all off the table now after what's happened. What we've seen in Israel now is kind of everyone is united um, in a way. Yeah. Whether, whatever you are, you're, if you're religious, you're Arab, you're secular, all of these people are joining together, which is great. Mm-hmm. And uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu entered into a unitary uh government with Benny Gantz, who was like very experienced um, politician, military person, which I thought was really good. After the war, there's going to have to be questions. The approval rating for the government right now for Netanyahu is 18%. Yeah, that was not a great. poll I saw. Not great. Not great. The people do not want him. But I think that's what I'm trying to tell you is that the people don't want him. But right now there is no, this is a, a war that people see as not an existential threat, but one that could be an existential threat. You know, Hezbollah from Lebanon hasn't yeah. exactly joined um, the conflict yet. I think for those that call for the ceasefire, they do not, they don't understand the situation at all. I agree. Because when people talk about like that, the United States made mistakes after 9-11, right? In the war on terror. It's a different situation when we are going across the globe to do that that war. When you have the Hamas operating from the Gaza Strip, these people that live in the south who have all evacuated, they cannot return to their home until after the, the threat from Hamas is eliminated. Mm-hmm. And the same goes for the north. Yeah. So until there's a deterrence of these terrorist organizations, there's going to be no ability to live in mm-hmm. that area. You know, I mean, they cannot live next to genocidal terrorist organization. Yeah. You know, and you talk about like, you know, the U.S. response after 9-11. I think that there are very big differences when it comes to that. First of all, you know, with their whole attack on Iraq, that whole the whole reason why that happened is because of faulty intelligence that there was weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, which there wasn't. And the U.S. was completely not justified for what they did to Iraq and the Iraqi citizens. But this is different. We know Israel knows for a fact that Hamas is is in Gaza and where Hamas specifically is in Gaza and, and where they hide their weapons and their um, and their bases and stuff like that. That's one thing. And let's just pretend that Israel does cease fire. You think Hamas is going to stop launching their rockets? Absolutely not. They will not stop launching their rockets because they don't care. They don't care if Israelis are killed and they don't care if Palestinians are killed. They don't want a ceasefire because they want casualties on their side so that the, the world could keep on blaming Israel and Israel could keep getting weakened because of that. There can't be a ceasefire, not unless all of the hostages are back home. Yeah. That's the minimum. As long as all 200, there, there's about like 200, th- I think 242. Uh, are there still? Because I know some were, were freed. About yeah, give or know. take 240. As long as all those hostages are, are still in Gaza, there's not going to be a ceasefire. There won't. And anyone who says that there should be is just giving in to what Hamas wants. Yeah. Whether they know it yeah. or not. Because, when, yeah. you know, people go for the, of course I want ceasefire. Yeah. I want you know, I don't want to see a war. In a perfect world, you know? a ceasefire would work. But Israel is facing Israel's facing an evil here that does not that doesn't go by international standards, by 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 the standards of morality. You can't just be like, we're gonna stop fighting, we're gonna stop attacking them, so they're gonna stop too. That's not how it works. And I'm sure that the people who who say ceasefire now, ceasefire now, you know, the Jewish voices for peace. I understand. I'm sure they have good intentions. We want peace, but. The way that they're bringing about it, the way that they want it is completely, the thought process is lacking so much context in, in, and an understanding of the situation at hand and the, the people that Israel is facing. Yeah. 
Definitely. I think also that the silence of around the hostages and in the international community is like very horrifying to oh, see. Oh, it's I mean, so horrible. People ripping down yeah, posters. Every, it's like it happens everywhere. It happens here um, on our campus. Yeah. It, it's been happening. Like they haven't been on the video because I guess they're ripping them at night or something um but yeah all around the world people are ripping down the and did you see on the 34th street wall i had some friends go there and you know make you know spray paint an israeli flag i'm israel high you know we love israel stuff like that there's a palestinian flag on the 34th street wall did they touch the palestinian flag on the 34th street wall i think not at all because we still respect that people are going to have differences and have differences to what we believe in so we're not going to touch it what happens less than 24 hours later the israeli flag gets completely vandalized saying that they're um that israel is a terrorist state that israel sucks f israel f everything of course my friends went back and repainted the the israel the israeli flag which i thought was really amazing but again less than 24 hours later um spray like red Mm. spray paint all over it um bloody like the red paints of hands to kind of resemble blood they don't care about palestinians they care about hating israel and hating jews and and that's the big difference between one side and the other is one cares about life even though statistically you may not understand it but they do the reason why they're trying to uh, to get rid of Hamas is so that these things don't happen in the future. It's going to be now or it's going to be later. And if it's later, it's going to be even worse. Yeah, completely. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a crazy time to be Jewish in America, for sure. You know, I was walking by the A5 uh, house this morning, and there were, yeah. like, there's always a police car around the corner, but there were, like, there were two police officers outside talking about, like, I don't know what they were doing, but they were looking at the roof, like, looking at like possible i don't know what they were looking at mm-hmm. and i was there, there the other day last week at a they find there were like five officers there like wow. at night like you know it, it's crazy and my colleague lauren miranda wrote a story about how we maybe if you're listening to the podcast you heard about the the vigil uh chaos that happened and the- to and some more preface we are both journalism students who work at our <laughs> pbs yeah. and npr affiliates here in gainesville florida so if you're wondering why we're writing stories it's because we are journalists yeah, yeah. So continue. Um, Lauren, Mar- my friend Lauren Miranda, she wrote a story about, so basically the police department and the FBI were made aware of a threat the morning of um, this vigil, a threat against the Jewish people in Gainesville. And I, I got a, a lot of people spoke to me yesterday and they were really upset about the fact that the authorities knew about this threat but didn't tell anyone i personally don't know how i feel about that because like then no one would have gone anyway but it's it's a terrible situation right now and we're going to washington next week i'm very Um, excited about that it's not it's not a protest i don't think i think of it as just like uniting you know it's just it's people getting together and kind of like feeling like as when i think when i think of protest i think some people are against us and other people right which when you see all the you know the palestinian protests not palestinian anti-israel protests the anti-israel think, in they a lot are of ways. straight up against israel and their right to exist what we are here to do and what all of these israeli pro-israel rallies have been is the support for israel saying that we matter that jewish lives matter and that israel has the right to exist and israel has the right to defend itself and israel has the right to combat terror and get rid of hamas we're not against palestinians we want palestinians to to live and I know most Israelis want a two-state solution where we could all be safe. You see these pro-Palestinian protests or, or anti-Israel protests, 
They want one state and one solution. That one solution is just Palestine. They don't want Israel. They want they don't want Jews to have a home. They want them to be scattered around the world and not be safe. We want Palestinians to be safe. That's why this isn't a, a protest because we're not protesting Palestinians. We are rallying for unity, for peace, and for the safety of of Jews. Specific, I mean, specifically, we're going for the safety of Jews in Israel, but. What we also want is we want safety for everybody, and that includes Palestinians and Arabs around the world. Yeah, and we would like the hostages back. Yeah, we, we, we would like those hostages back, please. Um, and I know those families would too. Yeah, definitely. So I think that concludes our first podcast. Yeah, um, um, if anybody wants to contact us, we'll, we'll get like a— you could always contact us on our social medias. You want to plug your social medias in real quick? Yeah, okay. It's yeah. just at, at Levi D'Amato, uh, no apostrophe. Um, yeah, definitely. We want to have many opinions. Um, today, ten. We, na- we titled it for 10 opinions. I don't know that we got up to 10 opinions today, but we want more than 10 opinions. We're not always going to get up to 10 opinions. We want, we want to, everyone needs to come with at least four opinions. Mm-hmm. I think that's a fair thing. I we, want people to come with opinions. Exactly. We want to hear from you what your thoughts are. Let's make it respectful. Uh, because we don't want hate. We aren't trying to hate on people. We're trying to uh, explain what we know and what we believe in. We want to hear from you. And, and yeah, reach out to us. Tell us your thoughts. And, and we appreciate you listening. This is our first, our, this is the pilot of our, our Two Jews, Ten Opinions podcast. It's been kind of in the works. We've been um, kind of got the gears turning a little bit for about maybe like a month now, a few weeks. And we, we want to just share with the world just our thoughts and, and our unique perspectives. And, yeah, we know we, we appreciate you listening. And, and, you know, Levi, you want to end anything off? You want people, you want, what do you want our listeners to know about? Yeah, I just I hope that they um, I hope they bring their thoughts to the discussion because that's the, the only re- I think that this, the podcast is cool because I think it's like not so formal of uh, an atmosphere where like we can just have someone sit right next to us and just yeah talk it out. You know, <laughs> I think that's what we need more. Talking. And I want to preface. I always say preface a lot. It's one of my favorite words. <laughs> um, you don't have to be Jewish to listen to the podcast and, to, oh, yeah, and yeah. To, to be in the discussions. If you're Jewish, you're Christian, you're Muslim, I don't, we don't care. Whatever you are, just talk to us. We want everyone to be part of the discussion. We're, everyone is included. And yeah, we appreciate you listening. We appreciate you understanding us, not just listening with your ears, but with your hearts. And yeah, we appreciate all the support. And have a great day, guys. Thank you. Yeah, have a great day. Thank you.